Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. EA Sports. <laughs> it's in the game. Remember that? <laughs> yes. Welcome to Jim and Tommy's Musical Theater Happy Hour. I am Tommy. And I am Jimmy. And this is the only musical theater podcast with tasty chompers. And costume humpers. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've done you bad for that one. Here we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Jimmy, what are you drinking today? I am drinking something related to the show that we're talking about today. This singing isn't a part of the skit. I'm just trying to think of something. I'm drinking water with my pills. You could have said ZD, that's meaty. You... What is ZT though? It's that's a, the real that, question. Does anybody know? Uh, <laughs> it's like a pasta dish, right? It's a right? type of pasta, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> we do not really have that here. Oh, pasta? Yeah. ZT. Okay. <laughs> ZD? ZT. ZT. Cool. I believe Z I T I, but citation sure. needed. Um, hey, speaking of questions, you've got one for us. I truly do. Well, hey, everyone. Um, the show that we're going to be talking about today, autobiographical in nature, so it is, uh, was written by the author whilst they were recovering from the events contained within the show. What show? A new brain. <gasps> Frogs have so much spring within them. And, oh God. Frogs have so much spring within them. Just play me what you have. Hey, mister. Hey, you. Pennies or nickels or dimes. 
been perilous time. I don't know what you're going to put there because, like, no one knows the titular song because it's not in uh, the OG cast recording. I'll probably put something near the start. I've done it now. So uh, we've heard it. We've heard it. Did Why? you enjoy it? <laughs> A New Brain, Music and Lyrics by William Finn, Bill Finn, and Book by William Finn and James Lapine. Yeah, love that dream team. Um, yeah, the the content of which uh, is, is, as we said, mostly autobiographical, um, yeah. which we'll, we'll delve into in a little bit. Um, but it premiered uh, off-Broadway. Yes. It's yet to have a, a on-Broadway official stint yeah so um, um out of the hospital uh bill finn wrote a bu- started writing a bunch of songs that got staged as a concert at the public theater and then james lapine was like hey that's cool and then they workshopped it in 96 and 97 and then made it off broadway 98 and then had a lincoln center encores performance in 2015 and this is what the lincoln center encores were built for i love it yeah very much so exactly this sort of thing and the applause concert as well because that's so good i still go back to that yes but anyway i don't think it's the kind of show that would no no one's chomping at the bit to put up a new brain on broadway these days i don't think well i'd see it i'd see it i don't think joe public would well hey who knows i guess they did do falsettos theater yeah fair fair you know, anyway, um, a new brain. <laughs> I, I was going to try and field it. And I just feel like there's no point in me failing summaries. <laughs> I worked out what it was, actually. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What it is, is you do plot uh-huh. and I do uh, theme. No, not theme. Like concept concept mm, sure you do plot and i do concept that's how we differ sure so what's the plot <laughs> I, i'll tell you i lost it uh no um a new brain being semi-autobiographical in nature um chronicles loosely um the main character gordon's uh diagnosis and then recovery from a brain problem and arteriovenous malformation um, that's pretty damn good art yeah uh-huh. i think that's right um they think it's they think it's a brain tumor it ends up not being a brain tumor but uh by day gordon uh writes music for a children's show called mr Bungie. mr Bungie's a frog um gordon hates mr Bungie um and hates writing music for him and thinks it's trite and not worth his time then uh you know uh it, it is uh has an attack? What do you call that? When you when like a heart attack, but a brain attack. Um an aneurysm? But I don't think I don't know if it was an aneurysm. I don't know if it was an aneurysm. He has an episode, let's say. Gets rushed to Love the that. hospital. Um we meet the variety of characters that are gonna be with us through the show. Gordon's mom, Gordon's yep. assistant, Rhoda, um, and uh Gordon's, I mean, lover is perhaps the most appropriate term, right? Roger? Absolutely, yeah. Boyfriend, long-term partner, um, although not explored terribly deeply. Um, and then uh, two nurses who uh, work with him at the hospital, uh, the thin nurse and the nice nurse. Um, and then 
because it's William Finn, there's also a homeless woman who's around. Um, we meet her at the very, very beginning. She kind of shows up to, I don't know, comment on the show. Um, we'll talk about it. It's a yeah interesting narrative device. Also, and I want to put this language caveat in here, and I don't know what it's like in your neck of the woods, Jimmy. The language du jour these days, the appropriate language, would be people experiencing homelessness um, mm-hmm. or unhoused person. This, yeah, unhoused. This character's name is Homeless Woman, which would have been the um, you know uh, popularly used terminology of the time. I imagine we'll slip back and forth between the two. Um, but I wanted to put this out in front because um, I'm always about teaching people appropriate language. So sure thing. person experiencing homelessness or an unhoused person. The idea being, of course, that that is not their identity, that exactly. they are homeless. Instead, they do not have a home, which is a different thing. Yes. Anyway... Yes. That was uh uh Gordon uh goes to the hospital they uh they operate on him and it's a it's a lot of musing see now I'm talking about content on yeah. he really wants to write a song to be remembered by before maybe he leaves this world um and so it's a lot of discussion about like leaving your mark on this world um and healing through art sure i think there's lots to talk about with it yeah so Let's not, you know, give all the goods away at the start. Um, but hey, he survives. He does. Spoiler alert. That's the alert. main thing. Um, and does he thrive? Question mark. Who knows? That's fair. Um, okay, let's let's just dive right in. Yeah. I'd rather be sailing. Yes, I would. On an open sea. I'd stand at the railing if I could Feeling wild and free The sun is on my neck The wind is in my face The water's incredibly blue I'd wanna go sail and then come home. So to you. this is something that we never really do, yeah. right? And I don't know why we don't do it. Uh-huh. But we never ask ourselves, what's your experience with this show? <laughs> I mean, so this this show is definitely an earlier one in the Tommy Canon. Um, but for interestingly different reasons. Um Okay. This show did not enter my life because it was a CD I took out from the library, at least not initially. Right. This show, believe it or not, entered my life because as a sophomore in high school, the senior in high school who was in charge of picking music for our show choir picked heart and music. Oh, okay. Um, which is not a like normally we would do very traditionally produced show choir pieces, pieces written for um, dancing, singing, poppy choirs to perform. Heart and Music yeah. wasn't one of those, right? This was just a Broadway song, um, and, or an off-Broadway song at the time, I guess. Uh-huh. And so that was my introduction to this show, um, and and we performed that song, um, which was fun. And then I was like, "What's you know, what's this?" 
what's up with this show. Um, yeah. I think I downloaded it on iTunes. Um, and yeah. then the 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 OG off-Broadway cast recording is definitely another one of those that I know by heart, by heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, same here. So I discovered it when I was going through my, like, when my nerdness was but bud- budding. Sure. Um, and this was when I was like trying to be like one of those asshole nerds uh-huh. because I found this when I was searching for something that nobody else knew about. Yep. Um, and then I found this and nobody else knew about it. Yeah. And I was like, look at me, everyone. I do. I do get this sense, Jimmy. And I wonder how you feel about it. That like this remains one of those shows that we know very well. Yeah. Because we both entered this nerdiness very early on. And, like, I can't decide in my brain, and I'm curious to hear on the Discord or wherever, friends, um, if other people know this show. I think they will now. I think so they... this is this is something uh, almost mm-hmm. that we could talk about. We've already veered. We're not We've already veered, talk about but whatever. Show. Yeah. But... I think it's so much easier now mm-hmm. to find those shows sure. that those shows, therefore, it becomes null and void. Yeah, that, because that's totally fair. You just you, you know whether it's the Spotify algorithm giving you right Venice, a new brain, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, I guess maybe less so for shows like pre nineteen ninety. Yeah. Right, it's less likely to give you one of them because it's, it's not as a slightly popular. different algorithm. Yeah, um, but I think like in our day, yeah, pre Spotify, where you would really have to search. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You would really have to find this. Yeah, um, I can't even remember how I came across. It. I think it was because I was a big big fan of Spelling Bee. Mm, sure, and. I think I probably just found it through... And you can back figure out... Bill Finn, yeah. Because for me, it does sit in the same kind of pocket with, like, Songs for a New World. Like, there's a very mid-late 90s intelligent yeah. song cycle feel about this thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, like, probably... Let's see. When I was in high school, you know, I, w- I would have discovered this... What? five six years after it came out which is very contemporaneous compared to pippin right like right uh, in in the order in which i was discovering new musicals um you know but it does i don't know it's it sits in an interesting shelf and corner of my brain well i think it was because it was at the advent of that off-broadway culture sure i mean where people were like broadway pa I like off-Broadway yeah. musicals, you know what I mean? And I like song cycles. I do and... I do also get the sense that there was a, like, CD revolution in cast album creation. Like, yeah. certainly there was, you know, huge cast album uh, uh, desire to create records, right? Um, yeah. And maybe cassette tapes, but I've never listened on cassette tapes and haven't, you know, I'm shooting from the hip here. Um but I wonder if there is because we we know about the show because there's a cast album. If there wasn't yeah. a cast album of a new brain, I, this show would have disappeared. Wouldn't. Like yeah. there wouldn't be an encore, um, or like maybe there wouldn't be. But like you know, there's, there's I know it'd be very unlikely. I there's some there's there some interview be. with uh, Grafsauce, 
um, where he's talking about the process of getting asked to be in encores. And the, yeah. the gist of it is like he had thought he really wanted to do a new brain. Um, and then his agent or someone called him and was like, do you want to do a new brain? Not knowing that uh, uh, Groff was also think- thinking the same thing. Interesting. And right. like, sure, we hear about these shows, but Jonathan Groff didn't see a new brain live, right? He would know about it because of the cast album and then because of working in the industry and probably yeah. because a lot of these songs are kind of uh, audition book standards now. Um, yeah, exactly. But the cast album is the reason for a lot of those things. And so, one, I think that it is just a fascinating thing to acknowledge that that is such a barrier to memorability, which is a huge theme in this show of like yeah. laying down your tracks in you know in silver or whatever um absolutely but then also like that's how we know about it and that's how it's lived on um and like i think i think i'm articulating a thought that has been sitting in the back of my brain ever since i listened to this sophomore year Mm -hmm. and that informs a lot of how i feel about it yeah for sure um so yeah basically i think you know to say that this is this show has been with us for a long, long, long time. And I was, I must say, I was really surprised when they did the encores. Yeah. Um, and I was quite, and I, and I told you this recently as well, like, I was quite mm-hmm. defensive because I love that original cast album sure. so much. Absolutely. Me too. Um, but what did you think about it? I, especially in prep for this show, the, ooh, promise you'll still love me. I like the encores recording more. I, I it's one of those. I again in prep for this in prep for this uh-huh. ep, having listened to it more with an analytical ear. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, like there's no if we've removed sentimentality. Out of I it, I think that's yeah. I think that's what has happened to me. I my brain finally you know climbed that hill that was like you just like the original one because it's what you heard first. Right, exactly. Um, like I think the new recording, the revisions, and the fact that they included the whole thing, but the re- the story yeah. revisions, which we'll talk about, hashtag, uh-huh. um, make the show better. Like it's a better recording. Yeah, I think um, what I will say, like one of the one of the things that I think made me love it so much, though, mm-hmm. was that it was weird in a structural sense. Sure, like. It it never felt and the, one of the when I would tell friends about it, as I would always say, like it feels experimental. Yes, and it absolutely is. I mean, I think I have glanced over this in the synopsis, but the show, both versions, the off Broadway one and the encores, yeah, basically take place, quote unquote, in the hospital room, kind of implied in and out of hallucinations that yeah. Gordon is having. Um, and then there is a whole coma sequence near the end of the show. Um, right. And, it, and that affords it a bouncing back and forward in time. The whole thing is almost entirely sung through. So, like, if you're the kind of person who has listened to this but has never done some study, the, the Encores version absolutely is almost completely the full show. Yeah. Like, you're not missing a lot. And even the, the OG, the Off-Broadway, I'm sure for... Uh, only logistical reasons that it needed to fit on a 1998 CD mm. is most of the show. Like, yeah, it's pretty much good. And like, you would listen to it and you would follow along with what's happening. Right, exactly. There, um, there are no scenes beyond what you hear as little spoken vignettes on the yeah. cast recording. But it does, because I remember, yeah, I remember thinking, I was like, this isn't, 
by any means perfect Mm -hmm. you know and like i i always thought like this this feels messy yes yes right it always felt that but not in a way that was like it didn't it didn't stop me not, listening not to it. A, I still loved it for and that. And like not way. in a way where you're like, and we should fix it. Yeah, exactly. Like the, and I, I think I always thought about it and I would always be like, I'm sure on stage this'll work so much better. And right. I, I think probably that is true. Probably for a it is bit, true. But yeah. If you listen through, particularly to the original cast recording, like it, there's so much where it just darts in one direction yeah. and then suddenly you're in a completely different like musical theme. Right. And you're going back and forth and back and forth. Um, but there was something about that that just really endeared me to the whole project, you know? Sure. Um, I mean, it does very much... What's the best way to phrase this? Um, it It subverts traditional like story arc structured tropes yeah, um completely it's not a book musical right and not that it's not structured with like an inciting incident rising action a climax right, right, and falling right. action but a lot of the other stuff that comes with that kind of like hero's journey tropish uh uh plot structure that you find in musicals is really challenged by the structure yeah. of this show um massively and that we dive into like like take um poor unsuccessful and fat right right is uh, which is a song if you haven't listened which you should pause it go listen to this now you know how the show works yeah exactly um but um is a song that's sung by the nice nurse kind of bemoaning his existence right Uh um and that's kind of it right and it 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 informs gordon's view on life and is kind of talking around the central thesis of the show but it's not like the nice nurse then gets some redemption at the end of the show or you know we learn what happened beyond this like that's it right um nor does it like very particularly inform the central thesis and circumstances of the show uh-huh. Like it's it's like a the whole show is kind of like a big tornado spinning around a central idea, and yeah. we don't spend too much time in the eye of the storm. We spend a lot of time spinning around it, which is fun. Exactly, and it does like and it is. It's like these little vignettes do just kind of propel, I don't know, propel you towards a, a deeper understanding. Yeah. Do you know what's weird? Right. This mm. is just something that's popped into my head. We spoke on last call just there about um, uh whether you can make a david lynch film mm, a sure. musical yeah right if you could if you would you probably get something like I this i think you could it would be something like that like nebulous vignette ideas yeah. that cater to a bigger theme yeah it right it, it is one of the fascinating descriptions i saw in one of the things i was reading prepping for the show uh described bill finn as the anti-sondheim um, yeah, and I really like that description. And not, I think Andrew Lloyd Webber is the nega Sondheim. But uh, <laughs> I, if we're gonna build the Sondheim cinematic universe, um, uh-huh. which I absolutely want to do, and I'm so glad those words just came out of my mouth right now. Um, yeah, the SSU, SCU, <laughs> yeah, they say coming to Disney Plus. Um, yeah, the like the way that Sondheim, and he still will subvert it, but is all about. Like, all of Sondheim's shows are linearly structured. And even uh-huh. the most bizarre ones are still just exactly backwards, right? Merrily, we roll along. Or we're, we're using, like, very 
intentional tropes of time travel yeah. or reminiscent or yeah. right and it's very much built into and rooted in reality whereas the new brain is a lot of like fantastical realism um uh-huh. because i think the closest you could come to um would be something like assassins maybe. sure yeah fair but still there's there is well, like that ending is very structured. And Assassins at no point pretends to be telling a linear story, right? A new yeah, brain yeah. At, at its like baseline synopsis, it as you delete words in the synopsis, eventually you do get to like a very cut and dry linear story. Right. Right? He, yeah. he goes to There's the hospital, they operate on him and then he leaves. Yeah. 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 Um, um for sure but i think yeah that anti-son time i think is so true and i think bill finn is one of the only people that you could really comfortably yeah give that title to because i think lyrically he is up there yeah toe-to-toe with son time yeah. like in in across the board in in all of his shows yes. i feel like there are some masterful stuff there and um that is it's portrayed in a completely different way than Sondheim would do yes like I think the both of them take such joy in finding the quote-unquote perfect lyric but to Sondheim that is while her withers wither with her and Uh to William Finn that is hotter than a pregnant cow like yeah yeah exactly and both are the perfect lyric to either of them and neither would write the other lyric both both would detest the other lyric yeah Oh, no, I think both would, both would appreciate respect. and would never, yes, yes, yes but would never but they write it. wouldn't bring it out. Yeah. 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 Um, but what I would say they both subscribe to yeah. is the concept of content dictates form. 100%. Right. Which I think originally attributed to Mr. Sondheim, but I think Bill Finn yes. knows what he's doing here. Because actually, and this is just kind of piecing off my head, but actually that is completely what this show is. Right. Um, and it comes into that fact of it being nebulous and a bit messy and a bit scrappy, mm-hmm. but it's because it's sig- well, for the most part, yeah, significantly set in someone's mind, where yeah, and that mind is going through some brain trauma, right? You know, what I mean? right. <laughs> like so, it makes sense for it to be erratic and and kind of hyper, like it and... feels like you're floating through this miasma. I will, yeah. I will say, and this is the thing in whatever listen through that did sell me on the 2015 Lincoln Center, the choice, they do it overtly and then very subtly later on to use the, like, what I'm going to get this wrong, but like the EKG heartbeat pulse as a musical Uh motif. Yes. Is. Actually, no, because we'll talk about that a lot when we talk about the changes. Excellent. Because that is a point I want to discuss. Just to say, Um, wicked clever. Uh, but but wait. Uh-huh. Speaking of changes, I want to talk about the song "Change." Hate me, but don't kick my shins. I'm where your kindness begins. Please, folks, do not spend time with me. I won't ask you to treat me like your mother. Change the system that made us what we are. I don't ask for 
dogs and if you folks pay I'll go away Just to kiss Bill Finn's arse a bit. (laughs) Because I think it's masterful. Um, So, like, on the more surface level, it's great to listen to. Uh, Right? Yeah. It's just, it's like vocally acrobatic. It must be so fun to sing if that's your voice type. Um, Mary Testa does an incredible job on the OG. And Rima Webb does an incredible job on the 2015 both quite different yeah but both equally great wonderful um and but the actual when you start peeling that song like i feel like that's one of these songs that you could keep studying and studying and studying go back to go back to back to yep and have all of these different interpretations but i wanted i tried to like write out to articulate Mm -hmm. just how smart i think it is and so i'm just going to quote this verbatim from me so she wants change not change but Gordon needs to change too. But to change, to just want change, not change. While her withers wither, wither. Like exactly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by ab- that? Ab- no, you don't. I mean, I, I, I do. And like honestly <laughs> right. and earnestly, I know exactly what you mean. Right. Because basically, like this song actually is kind of the theme of the whole show. Like yeah. this, and it, it's almost in the middle as well of the whole piece, which I think is quite smart. Um. But basically, this homeless woman, I think she's called Lisa. I don't know where she gets that name check, but she has the character name of Lisa. Mm. So there you go. Um, She wants change. She wants pennies or nickels or dimes, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because we live in perilous times. And what she kind of... uh, her her chagrin comes from the fact that a lot of other people who are successful and well-to-do and have homes uh, want change. Yep. And they want to help her. And she's like, that would help me. You know what I mean? Right. Fix the government, kill the mayor, like do whatever you want. That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, I need to eat. I need change. Or all she needs is for you to change the government, kill the mayor. No, no, I I don't. I think it goes, I I think it goes to to a much more basic level of she like this. What do you, is is that question? What do you need? Right. But she, what she, sure. But she has that point later where uh, Roger tries to hand her some money and she says i don't want your money what i want is change she doesn't say that does she she does say that the lyric yes it's in a scene this is and this is the double meaning of the song i yeah but i don't think because then that then flies in the face of his own argument so it's 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 both and neither, right? Uh, so okay, and you you blew right past it earlier, right? Pennies or nickels or dimes. We live in perilous times, and what you said was, she wants pennies or nickels or dimes because we live in perilous times. But that is not the lyric. 
you filled in words that complete one meaning of that lyric. The lyric is, pennies or nickels or dimes, we live in perilous times. There is an alternate interpretation of that lyric that says, one cent or five cent or ten times is tough, right? Uh Uh-huh. Whether you're me, an unhoused person on the street, or a housed person making money writing songs who has a brain tumor, what does she say later? Like, um, uh, life doesn't get better. It, oh, fuck, what is that lyric? Well, when she's, what, when she's saying, like, um, it's at the end of Lousy Day in the Universe. Yeah. They Uh all are, they all are, like, they're all lousy. Right. And so she has this assessment that there is systemic problems and there are me problems and they are different and they are the same and we use the same word for them, change. Yeah, I don't think that's what she wants, though. Can I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have, do you encounter unhoused people on the street in yes, Scotland? Yes, uh-huh. How often and regularly? Like every day. What, tell, can you tell me more about what that experience is like or what it's like? Like what's the sociopolitical makeup of all of that? Or like how does it fit I think into it's, it's, the greater narrative it, of like Scottish politics, well, let's say? Yeah, well, I mean, it's getting the UK like since the the concept. I mean, we're getting super political here very quickly. Sure. But um, since this conservative government has come in, I don't know the exact statistic, but um, homelessness has flown up. Like, it's, sure, is awful, um, and it's only getting worse, um, for a variety of reasons. Yeah. So it's not it's not as bad. Like I've only ever been in New York, you know. Yeah. But what's where it's a a serious problem? But what's the what's the like public opinion like what if the public opinion was positive about it it wouldn't exist do you think so yeah because and this is this is kind of the point of this is again what i think the point of change and it's where she says like um hang on i've got the quote here uh uh uh, yeah which says people walk by me with glee because i'm what they'll never be sure right and i think that's it it's extremely honest and I think it's that it's that sense of like, it, it, you know, the the apathy that comes from activism, right? Mm. Not comes from activism that comes with activism. Um, you have to make that choice of, you know, how, you can only help so much. Sure. You know what I mean? Tell me more. Like, can you talk around that in a different way? So, as in, like, you can help and you can do as much as you can, Mm -hmm. right? But the only thing that would need to then, you know, like, it's impossible for you to fix the problem. Yeah. I mean, there is... So, really, what what would help is just give them some money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they can eat. Right. right, 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 right. But it's but it's two things. 
but what would really help is change yeah but that but yes of course it would get rid of the problem right yeah of course right but what she is saying is that's what people think helps i is is saying like oh we should help you know i can help you because i'm gonna do i'm gonna protest about this or i'm gonna you know right do whatever right to say against this but actually it's not helping her the, i think we're talking the same things there there is this um let me see if i can say this and if this this jives with what you're saying mm-hmm. there is uh denver colorado has a and i i hate a lot of the verbiage around this and i'm gonna stumble over it um has a very large unhoused problem and like the verbiage i hate is that like problem and like not that it's mm-hmm. a good thing right um but often people it's i'm gonna explain this in detail because i think it's part of the conversation often people say like yes we have such a problem with homeless people and mm-hmm. and they mean something different right yeah. Right. They mean it is very inconvenient for me to have to walk past these people on the street. Right. Right. They don't mean this is a terrible difficulty that our society is facing that these people are not being taken care of or don't have the resources or for, what, for whatever reason find themselves in this situation. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of political posturing around this sort of stuff. There's actually um, there's a, a hyper local uh, uh, news story that's uh, been in and out of the papers for months. Um, Denver has had a, a a difficulty with an unhoused population in a way that even Chicago didn't have. Um, because Chicago has a lot of systems built for this. A lot of older urban areas have lots of shelters and resources and things that by the time you see someone on, you know, who is actually unhoused on the street, they've Uh probably been through something, some system like this. And like, there's still something missing in that puzzle, but you don't see it like you do in Denver where there are Mm -hmm. full on, you know, tent cities and encampments that kind of move around. Yeah. And part of that is because Denver has not dedicated resources to these things. And with COVID, Denver was like, well, we got to, you know, and it's been shitty. It's been back and forth. But, like, the official CDC recommendation was, like, let them stay in one place, right? Better better to be in your bubble, in your community, whatever that means, than to be bopping around. But combined with, I think, the, the... uh, you know, militarized police force of America getting a little squirrely. Um, mm-hmm. They kicked out a huge uh, uh, unhoused encampment that was on the front lawn of our state capital. Um, right. And it's led to all this discourse about this stuff. And finally, we have new laws in place that allow for sanctioned tent cities, basically, sponsored mm-hmm. by local organizations to help people find housing and get resources and you know find employment or whatever resources they need to like improve their situation one of these tent uh sanctioned tent cities was proposed in a parking lot of a church in a very liberal well-to-do neighborhood in denver Mm -hmm. and it really challenged a lot of these residents who on paper we're like, yes, we have to help these people. We have to Absolutely. do what we can. But the moment it was going to be in their backyard, 
yeah. a big contingent of them were like, oh, no, no, whoa, 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 hold on, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, and like all of this does lead to like one of the best ways you can help an unhoused person generally is to hand them money. Right. Is not to donate to a food bank, is not to, and that. Give them the food. That is a systemic failing, right? Mm-hmm. You would want the best way to help an unhoused person to be fund your food bank, build the mm-hmm. tent city, right? Create the system to get them out of their situation. But because the systems are so fucked, the best thing you can do as a person is to physically hand them a dollar bill. Yeah. So she's asking for two things. Change money and change in these systemic failings. Like I read, and this is where this is our difference of opinion. I read yeah. change the government, kill the mayor, it's not fair how lives evaporate, change the system uh-huh. that made us what we are. That's yes. the other change. That's change change. She's also asking for that change change. But I think to me that comes from a like change the government, kill the mayor is so sweeping right that i think it's like whatever it doesn't matter it's i think all i'm asking for is change. i think there's double meaning written into this entire song like the lyric at that end of that stands oh, no, i mean there are, but that's the whole point is there is but i think all she all she's asking for is you know what i mean is change like i think that and based so the because we're slid away from my whole point sure here, sorry because what what i was getting to was because the whole theme of the show is um like take your time mm-hmm. um don't don't sweat the small stuff like you know you can't you can't go epic you can't go big the best thing to do is just take it step by step yeah um and that is kind of what she's saying is like it all well and good change the government kill the you know what i mean right like, do the big do the big stuff but all i'm asking for is, is just in the here and now is a quarter you know what i mean is just i need a quarter because i want to eat today yeah you know and that to me is why that song is very much like the linchpin yeah of the whole show yeah because it's yeah it's the it's the theme yeah. I I don't disagree. I think it is an interesting it's why this isn't a mainstream show. And I think that's a good thing. I don't mean that as a knock, right? Yeah, absolutely. But like if we were, you know, if big budget producers were trying to push the show to Broadway before it was recorded, before it was ever performed, the homeless lady would have been the first person to be cut. Full stop. She's not a part of the story. No, I know, but I think Bill Finn would... Right. No, no. Not, and James Payne wouldn't allow that to happen. I, I, do you know what I mean? I absolutely agree. It is just an interesting... Uh, right? We know this is an entire... This is a inspired by autobiographical experience written piece, right? Yeah. And all the other numbers in this show, excluding the ones that the homeless lady is included in, make sense as a thing that might have happened to Bill Finn. In the co- this did happen to Bill, right, 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 right. But in he did have a homeless person in the context of him having his his brain problem and then his brain surgery, right? 
the homeless person wasn't in the hospital. He doesn't the 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 cipher for Bill Gordo Gordon doesn't meet the homeless lady until eighty percent through the show, right? Uh huh. So her inclusion is f- is fascinating. Is all is is my thesis. But I think point. her inclusion is vital mm-hmm. because at every single point that she comes in, she changes the course. Whether she's knocking Roger back onto the track, or whether she's making Gordo realize it's not about your books. that it, you know it's not about his books. You need you, there's no point going backwards. Right. This is what you need, or whether it's saying like, "All I'm asking for is change." You know, what I mean, like, so she's to me, she is the like, she is the show. Yeah. You know, what I mean, like, she's the Greek chorus. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Right. So I don't think she you could ever cut her. I don't think so either. I just yeah. I think it's it it is what makes this show very non mainstream. Yeah, very much so. Absolutely. Um, anyway, I've totally disrailed your point, and I apologize. <laughs> that's all right. That's but it just goes to show how good a song it is. It's a, it's a beautiful song. I did want to say, and like, pull pull the change lyrics up in front of you and read through them. Um, it's the it's the stanza we we're talking about about. And if you folks pay, I'll go away. Mm-hmm. Right. Either if you hand me money right now, I will stop bothering you. Mm-hmm. Or if you folks get what's coming or change the system, right? Mm-hmm. Unhoused folk won't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's both those meanings at once. Yeah. In the simplest sentence that has ever been written. And if you folks pay, yeah. I'll go away. Yeah. Like that is the beauty of these songs. And like, I, I guess, and like this, this is the in-between we're sitting in right now. Right. Well, I think actually here's, here's the thought is that one can't happen without the other. Right. So what, what people think that they want is the big one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We need to end homelessness. Okay, cool. How many homeless people did you buy a sandwich for today? Right. None. Okay, how are you helping homelessness? Right. Do you know like that's that's the the conversation, isn't it? Like that is what the song is talking about. You it's all well and good thinking about the big stuff. Right. But without focusing on the small stuff. But I think that's the point. And you're never gonna get there. This this could be an international difference, but there is a lot of discourse in America about this that there are systemic, you know, healthcare and mental health failings that lead to, you know, people experiencing homelessness for the first time. Absolutely, yeah. Which are much more complex and systemic than, hey, here's a sandwich today. And that both are no, problems, I know. right? Yeah. But but at the end of the day, that is the reality. Right. But it's but it it's a like you and I, I I think we're saying the same thing. The point of the song is you have we you have to approach both, right? You can't just buy every homeless person a sandwich. Right, but I think yeah, so what I'm saying yeah, but what I think I'm saying is like that the everyone thinks right that the big one is the one to go for right catch the big fish yeah but you then ignore the small fish yeah 
I mean, this this is and the easy thing to do is go for the small stuff. This this is an encapsulation of the, the like the Congress floor unhoused population discussions that happen in America today. Exactly, exactly. But again, how many of them are buying a sandwich? Right. Well, I mean, and you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but the yeah. uh literally in front of the Denver Capitol a year ago, right. there was a big, huge uh, tent camp of a bunch of unhoused folks. And you'd think the reaction of the lawmakers that needed to go to work every day and literally walk past it and look at it out of their window would have been like, hmm, maybe we should do something about this. And instead their reaction mm-hmm. was to call the police and kick them all out. Yeah, exactly. Anyway... <laughs> Why did the golfer bring an extra pair of shorts golfing? I hope this actually is a joke. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. In case he got a hole in one. Nice. See, now we can end it on a happy beat. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. But we are sitting because in the lee of cutting hunk hotter than a pregnant cow. Waiting for Okay, so I didn't expect us to speak for four No, me neither. Um, but we can just keep running down this, whatever. Absolutely. Um, that was actually in podcast that I said that. Oh, excellent. But we could just yeah. keep running down this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but right, I think it's important to discuss the, albeit minor, yeah. changes. Um, but they do have implications, I think. Um, so if we kind of go chronologically through it, um, the opening yeah, the big one is has changed. That they never make it to the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't yeah. exist. Calamari... Is perhaps Calamari. the cut song, maybe, probably the only like fully cut song, quote unquote, in titles. No, there's a few. Are there? Okay, well, never mind. Yeah, we'll get Pretend to I didn't say um, that. Yeah, um, so Calamari is cut, and it's a shame because it's so funny. Then you lose um, the line of I love Mr. Bungie. Yes, indeed, here's your ZD. <laughs> That's really good. I, I will say, big picture. I enjoy the changes in the 2015 Lincoln Center recording from a story and structure standpoint. Yeah. I miss the lyrics. Exactly. So this is, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying about why I loved the show when I first found it, because that was so erratic. Like I've been listening to this for three minutes and suddenly Kristen Chenoweth is singing something about Ziti. And you, ha- Do you know what I mean? You have to imagine, right? If you're picturing the staging in your mind, Kristen Chenoweth is this like weird ditzy waiter and yeah. hallucinatory Mr. Bungie is also in the number. And like, she's right. walking around like, I love Mr. Bungie. And he's going like, "Wee!" Chip Zane is like yeah. bouncing around. Like, must be a wacky start to this show. Yeah, absolutely. Like you've been listening to this for a couple of minutes. Yeah, you know. Um, but it, it, it sets you up. I mean, it, I think it still sets you up well. Yeah. For the the mania, but yes, to give 
the revisions, <laughs> their credit, you land into the action so much quicker. So much quicker, and there's a lot less fluffs. Um, yes. Which... Um, and also you get... So in the new the new one, you get a bit more character development. Yes. And, um, well, and even, like, um, one of the lines that I thought was very clever that they add mm-hmm. into the revision, um, and hashtag we might get to this later, but... Um, I hate Mr. Bungie. Mr. Bungie's homophobic. We yes. it takes a long time in the OG to learn that Gordon is gay. Um and like also across the board it's not a terribly huge deal that Gordon is gay in the structure right. piece. It is a huge deal in that it's not a huge deal, which yeah. hashtag later. But it lets us out him earlier in a convenient way. Yeah, because I wonder as well like in the OG mm-hmm. Where the lines like I should try to locate Roger, right. like, was that supposed to be like a who's Roger? Right. Who could he be? And then you get sailing, and you're like, oh, there's Roger there. You still don't know their lovers right. until you get um, uh, spend an evening in my art. I can't remember which comes first. Uh, no, not spending. Um, I mean Roger. Go, just go. You get go. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you um, you get and so Roger arrives even earlier, which is not in the OG um yeah but i think just go is the first moment where you realize that right oh i guess these guys are right you know yeah more than just pals shall we say and even written into and i'd have to go back into the og libretto but there's a a, Mm. the bit in 911 um about uh and it's it's disgusting phrasing and is appropriate um oh right yeah yeah, is he hiv um yeah you know which outs him earlier as well um and it's terrible but that's that's the plot and is of the time when this thing was written exactly you're so right actually that's when he gets outed in both of them yeah is at that point so ignore everything we said um no 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 i I mean i mean it don't ignore everything we said sophomore me right listen to this before i was like fully out to myself much less anyone else yeah i didn't it took me through college and like i've listened to the show tons of times to be like oh shit they're gay (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder, Fully. because... No, did you listen to mm-hmm. any of the Falsetto trilogy... No, much later in my... Before this, later. So I listened to that okay. before this. So I was already used to gay Bill Finn. Right. You expect it, right. So you kind of expect it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, so... I wonder if that's. I wonder if there is. There something might be there. something there. Yeah, but no, fully. I like. It took me a long time to realize this was a gay story. Right. Um. So yeah. So you've got that difference at the start. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think the twenty fifty. Like, if you know, if we're going for efficiency here, it makes so much more sense to just dive straight in. Right. Um. Yeah. You've got one setting. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, there's no point in having three different scenes within your first 10 minutes. Can I ask you what your thoughts are while we're talking about changes? Because I do think this one hits mm. early on. Change? Change, all I'm asking for. Um, <laughs> the original, both are mm-hmm. contemporaneous to the time they were premiered. Um, mm-hmm. And the only, the biggest justification I have is that the 1998 one has no reason to not be set when it is. The 2015 mm-hmm. one has no giveaway, at least on the album, that it would have been set in 1998, except for one line. When the doctor says he has tickets to Fun Home. 
Yes. Which is a very intentional choice, right? To reference a yeah. contemporary musical in it. So, in the, yeah, because I think in the original it's Chicago. Right. And so, and they could have just said Chicago, right? Uh-huh. Or nothing, or rewritten it into something else. But to then yeah. contemporize it, and I wondered, and this might be a bigger beat anyway, but whatever, we're all over the place, and this is a fantastical realism. We're, we're mirroring the structure of the show. Um, exactly. Content what your thoughts were on contemporizing the 1998 piece to 2015. And the reason I ask that is because so much of Finn's canon is set spiraling around the AIDS crisis. And mm-hmm. certainly a lot of the content of this, right, like doesn't tin, it, you know, he's, he's, it isn't about an HIV positive gay man. No. But there are, there is the whiff of like, ooh, a gay person in a hospital. Should I be cautious about this, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. reactionary feeling to this that I think Finn is struggling with that absolutely would have been evident in 1998. And mm-hmm. I would wager would be much less evident in 2015. And... I get, I bet you it depends where you are. Fair, though. totally fair. And I think this is a really nitpicky thing, and is is inferring a lot of things. But it hit yeah. me as like a choice and a very definite choice to contemporize it, not even modernize it, but just say it might as well be 2015. Yeah, I th- I think actually it's been really well written by James Lapine that it doesn't ever feel timed sure absolutely which is ironic because that's the whole point right, of the yeah, yeah, show yeah. but you know it's gonna it's gonna be a while before this feels dated absolutely yeah which you know because in terms of medical technology mm-hmm. um uh, we have television right. and i like even do they like i don't even think do they oh they do say is tv show I was trying to run back. Uh-huh. Like, did they ever, I thought they'd just call it a show. But, uh, like, I think even more yeah. so... Maybe it could become, you know, right. Mr. Bungie, and it's a content farm right. on YouTube. You know, let's go. <laughs> but, like, even more so with how timeless it is, it mm-hmm. is interesting me... Like, it, it, it accentuates even more the moments that seem very particularly of a time in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think it's it's weird. I find the, the Chicago, the fun home line, a clangor. Yeah. I don't. I don't really like no, it. No, it feels. It feels like a throwaway, like Shrek level jokey line for a Broadway yeah. audience. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, in in James Lapine's fairness, it does have relevance. Yep. It shows that the doctor isn't as yeah, you know, up on his patient care as he should be. Yep. Um, which is a key part of his character. Yep. But um, it just it it it, it does take me out. Yeah, I agree. And it and it feel it feels like a cheap joke yeah 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 yeah. um so the other kind of change that we see relatively near the start so i and i find this really interesting about the structure of the show mm-hmm. anyway um but heart and music mm-hmm. um feels like the finale of the show sure <laughs> and it is the opening yeah number yeah effectively yeah. um because the 911 emergency calamari rest in peace um are all tales of the prologue. Yeah. You know what it is. It's the, everything that happened before the, right. the hospital. In, um, in the original one, they're the only scenes, say for maybe the homeless lady's revenge, that take place outside of the emergency room. The emergency room, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the hospital um, room. The hospital. Yeah. Um, 
so heart and heart music you know it, it tells you it's like an overture yeah. but with words it's an opening song it tells you everything that's gonna happen yeah. um throughout the thing but uh in terms of its actual sound and and song structure mm-hmm. i don't know did you think like to me it feels like i've sung it as the finale of many a show sure. do you know what i mean like a cabaret show because it buttons it, it, so well. it does and like, <laughs> like i'm curious man i would love i wonder bill finn's the kind of person who like his notes might be in an academic library somewhere like mm. i i have curious questions about the very specific inception of this show knowing right. that it was first just a bunch of songs and then a song cycle and then a workshop and then like and i'm curious where heart and music and time and music entered yeah. the existence of the show and which came first and mm-hmm. because heart i think you're right heart and music feels like time and music was written first knowing that it would be a finale and then yeah. a pre-prize was written as an intro that was mm-hmm. heart and music the other thing that bugs me about it bugs is the wrong word i think it's a beautiful song i love it it was yeah, my, exactly. my introduction to the show is yeah. there's there's a whole you know uh body as being metaphor to this show right mm-hmm. whenever you get into like a nitty-gritty medical kind of discussion and especially this kind mm-hmm. of you know uh uh uh, uh human as soul right is your is your brain you all this discussion anytime you have mention of a body part it becomes a little more symbolic Mm. we don't explore a heart metaphor at all other than this song you gotta have heart and music right more appropriately and less poetic you gotta have brain and music in some ways, would have been a better title for this song. Right, I see. You know what well, I mean? Because I've always interpreted it as it's like it's like your heart song. You know right. what I mean? Like it's the 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 thing. It's like coming from your your soul. I guess. Right. So maybe you know. So, but like, so that's what I've always. But because he he wants to write from the heart. Right, and there's there's such double play in this show about mm. the the body as the existence and. Your corpus of work is the existence, and the things you've done is the existence, and your brain is the existence, right? And so it feels like, you know, beautiful song, missed opportunity to pull Mm. another kind of double, you know, either give him a heart problem or write something, you know? Well, 2015 has got you covered. How so? Because they set the whole thing to a heart monitor. That's true, and that's fair. And and perhaps that's the solution. No, you're right. You've turned my. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, you've turned my own words against me. Thank you, 2015 director. Yeah, um, clever. But yeah, and it, it's smart. It's smart. It's it is really clever. smart because it explains heart and it gives you that. And reason. like, no, ev- what I- even more specifically, it, it explains why in that moment Gordon says, "You gotta have heart." Like he could point at the heart monitor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, music. Yeah. yeah. So. I think here's where I really start to give the 2015 a lot of credit because I think uh, I think it comes down to the orchestration. Absolutely. Um, because the song, as far as I know, and I haven't, I wouldn't say I've listened to 2015 enough to know exactly where the exact differences are within the song. Mm-hmm. 
um but as far as i know it's pretty much the exact same yeah right? there's bits and bits and bobs here and there which is also yeah, a fascinating less, study but there's less chorus i know that there is less chorus and they save a lot of that yeah for the finale which i think is important because the finale is the finale and so it should it feel it should feel like it has grown right since the original which in the 98 it didn't it doesn't time in music is a lot simpler yeah. than heart and music I, which i guess has its own meaning. yeah but um yeah i think the setting it to the heart monitor making it a little bit more parallel yeah. like there's a little bit of, at, like threat that's what i was gonna to say it. it's darker you're like Hardened yeah. music in the uh, 98 feels like a bop. Feels like, and welcome, a, welcome the to bop. the show. Here we go. Yeah. Gonna tell you the story about this guy. Whereas, like, hardened music in the 2015, you're right, is more perilous. You're a little more yeah. on a tightrope. You a little bit don't know if this guy's gonna die or not. And that's important. Exactly. And then... Yeah, time and music does just feel like elation yeah. is a, and relief, a celebration. And joy. Yeah, is a, is an exhale. So I think that's a really yeah. a really solid change. Yeah. Um. However, a change that I don't like, mm-hmm. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it is the reduction of the coma sequence. Sure. So. Yeah. Um, in the original, mm-hmm. basically, what happens is, uh. Gordon has the operation. Um, he, as a result, ends up in a coma. Um, and we take a brief spin around his mind mm-hmm. uh, where we meet different characters in different vignettes um, and everything contributes towards the overall theme of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 2015, that is like substantially slashed. Yeah. And I say substantially basically they cut two songs that's still it's still but a lot it's still a lot in the grand in the grand scheme of things it's still a lot um but actually one of the things that i think it does is it reduces um the part of rhoda substantially mm, sure so the song that she has in the original that gets cut is a song called whenever i dream mm-hmm. and it's like a ventriloquist puppet mm-hmm. Um, very you know both reach for the gun style thing yeah. um and it, it basically is discussing the kind of frantic artist part of gordon's brain mm-hmm. um and i understand i totally get why they you know the inner dramaturg in me completely understands why they cut it because a rhoda's a b part right um, and also it's like we get what he's like as a creative we right. don't need we, to talk about that you know that. yeah right um but i think it's such a really cool weird again very experimental song yeah. um i do think it's a, i do think it's a shame yeah i mean i think that it's not with there. the cut so they cut whenever i dream and eating myself up alive in the mm-hmm. coma sequence and yes I do think so then really all that's left is the music still plays on, which doesn't really it's kind of in and out of his brain, right? It's not Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's it's included as part of the coma sequence. Um But it could take place in real life or not. Exactly. And so all we have is Mr. Bungie singing Don't Give It. And so 
we miss the and brain dead and brain dead right but so we yeah. cut with like brain dead in if we're talking is like this is a little mini play this is a little mini arc yeah brain dead uh-huh. is an exposition song yeah we miss this kind of manic chaotic here's what's going on inside of my comatose brain and uh-huh. then cut immediately to the denouement of here's how we get back out and yeah. you know i i I'd be interested to be in the revision room when they were cutting these songs. Yeah. It feels, and like, behind the curtain, you'll never hear it in the podcast. Jimmy and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out whether this was a one-act or two-act show, discovering that it's a one-act show, which is a surprise to me. And a surprise to me, because, I mean, I've read, well, also... To be honest, the jury's still still out. out. No, far as we can tell, no intermission listed in any published, published materials. Published material. Nor did the Lincoln Center take an interval, but they cut these songs. Th- to no. my point, cutting these songs makes it not a two-hour one act, but at least a one and a half right, hour. Exactly, one act. exactly. But that seems like a cowardly choice. If we are leaning yeah. into the experimental, chaotic structure of this show, right. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I They're don't think they detract in any way. Um, I I love whenever I dream. I think it's a hilarious song, just from like a yes yeah, content standpoint. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I you know I, it's sad, but from a sentimental standpoint, I totally. Um, but I'll I, you know, fine. I'll forgive. James LeBay <laughs> uh, for for doing it, um, but yeah, I think it's a shame because I think Rhoda Rhoda doesn't feel as much of a part yeah. of the twenty fifteen as she does in the original because I I don't know I don't know there's some I, and obviously whenever I dream isn't really about Rhoda no. at all, but there's something about it that just makes her feel more a part of the party. Yeah. Whereas all she really does in the 2015 is panic when he has his accident. There's... And then kind of forces him to do some work. Yeah. There's... (laughs) there's There's a bad rewriting of the 2015 one where Rhoda could be just replaced with, uh, Gordon's mom. Um... And, like, it wouldn't have the same impact and Gordon's mom couldn't do some of the things that Rhoda does. But... Yeah, maybe, right? Like you could you could do a hackneyed kind of cut where she's just always there and is, you know, right. hearing about Or she like takes a phone call from Mr. Bungie right. who's asking for the song right. and she's equally as cut up about exactly. it. Exactly. And like But Gordon still feels good. And like not that that would develop uh uh is her name Mimi a lot. Um mm-hmm. but uh speaks to how Rhoda's kind of underutilized in some of that. And then especially with the 2015, also with the cutting of Calamari, honestly. Um, Mm. Because she's got kind of a little less reason to be with Gordon during the spring song, or Frogs Have So Much Spring, I guess. Yeah. Um, So, there you go, James O'Pain, you know nothing. Yeah, how dare you? About book writing. uh, You'll hear from my lawyer. What? Yeah, Um, absolutely. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. Um, 
but yeah i think i think really i do you know what i don't know who did the orchestrations for the encore production they're gorgeous but they're really really good and they really lend itself to the and piece. one of the things i do notice more about it is it does there was a lot of uh twitter discourse recently uh, it was delightful it was one of those um you know someone asks an innocent question that then everyone's like oh how delightful you don't know that this is a thing um oh right yeah. but a talk about the button in musical theater um you know you end a song da da bump da bump clap now right um and then times when the button is omitted so that we can continue into oh, the right. next yeah, action yeah, uh-huh. and i do think there is a lot in the revised orchestrations that it, for a sung through piece removes even more applause pauses yes um, absolutely which i love i love for this piece because you you know that you you want to dive into it it doesn't this piece doesn't yeah. gain anything by honoring the actors halfway through and call it you know uh-huh. pulling to a screeching halt and the orchestrations also do that definitely i do you know what i think it's something james lapine does extremely well mm-hmm. um and not james lapine but william finn does extremely well um in his composition because it, it's there in the entire first trilogy as well where it f- just feels like a piece yeah. do you know yeah. what i mean it doesn't feel like numbers it's interesting because spelling bee mm-hmm. is so numbers it's based. so the opposite yeah right it's the complete opposite but you know when you when you sit down and you listen to march of the falsettos or mm-hmm. um falsetto land or Intrusions, like you you kind of plug yourself in for a ride yeah and you just kind of swim through and they are numbers do you know i mean like they're defined numbers but just i don't know i really i don't know enough about music theory and music to know what it is about his writing style Uh that gives it this feeling of all sounding the same yeah but being completely distinct and individualistic and even the the revision adds in some more what we would call like traditional hallmarks of musical theater like leitmotif and you know pre-prize and underscoring and things that don't exist in the 98 one um but it does i think you're right he's he in a very different way from someone like sondheim finds a sound for a show that is outside of the william finn sound right that is unique to the piece mm. but that does it that but then beyond that is difficult to describe yeah i do and I, you know what we had the exact same conversation when we were talking about david yazbek as mm. well where there's like a you, it's distinguishable like you know when you're listening yeah. to a david yazbek you know when you're listening yeah. to a bill Finn. yeah absolutely um and i wish i knew more about music to know why i will say if you're like us and you don't know more about music but you want to get a better sense of that i highly recommend uh make me a song um and Mm. and and hear me not the off-broadway albumized version but the william finn in concert version listen to that one Mm. there's a picture of him on the album do that one if you see pencils don't listen to that one i don't like that one (laughs) um but the the concert version which then later was adapted for off broadway is like how it's a song cycle trunk song sort of dealio um Uh but he narrates the whole thing and it gives you a lot of insight into the mind of william finn and it's what you would expect 
but a lot of good confirmation there. And yeah. because it bounces across his both published and unpublished pieces, gives you a really good overview of whatever the William Finn sound is. Mm. A good exercise for anyone producing another one of his shows. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thoroughly recommend that. That's in the show notes. Boom. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's what I am lying here, I'm brain dead What a mess I got us into brain dead Everybody's setting off alarms Baby, maybe lift my head up, I see I just pulled a doozy, don't ask why me Roger passed the Uzi as the MD Lifts me in his cruisy chiseled Brain dead, stupid and thoughtless is what I am. Cause I'm brain dead and god damned. Brain dead, dressed up and we're chatting, and I'm brain dead. You deserve an explanation, brain dead. Sitting in this restaurant tonight Waiter, later, please, we're talking I said, you have limitations, darling Instead, scream your accusations Don't be well-bred Life ain't always happiness and light I thought, if I could finish a song Or five be brain dead, but alive. This is, I have no idea, I have no concept of how this works, but it does work. It's going to be great. People are going to love it. In the meta yeah. of the podcast. In fact, I'm going to make another joke about that when we get into Excellent. this. Excellent. Um, what I love is that we've not had a single segue this whole episode and the whole thing feels like uh, comatose. Yep, it, feel, it feels like the show. Absolutely. You're welcome, <laughs> ladies and gents. All I'm thinking about is the fact that it's almost 2 a.m. and I've got work in the morning. Uh, so that's that's where my brain is. <laughs> brain. It, it's kind of equivalent brain? to... I do think my favorite choice that the revival makes that the uh, uh, OG doesn't is making the doctor like, very much, um, uh, oh, I'm Albert Einstein here to be your doctor. Brain? Yeah, There's trouble weird, in right? his brain. Yeah. Makes him... It's a choice. It makes him kookier. He is. It makes him more distinct. That's fair. Um. Okay. Just to kind of briefly finish off, because we've kind of swum through the show in a very unexpected way. Um... I want to talk a little bit about, like, just kind of song spotting. Sure. Um, 
and why I think it's quite cool in this show. Um, because, so this is obviously an autobiographical, and like, it's not autobiographical, it's not Bill Finn, right. it's not his guy, but it, I guess, what is it, semi-autobiographical? It is certainly is dramatized, but he didn't set out to this is based accurately on... document his experience. Right. And actually, and do you know what? Initially, he did. Mm. Um, and initially, it was a lot more medical. Sure. Um, but he felt it just it came across too much like a documentary yeah. as opposed to a fun, interesting story. So took out a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I found that quite interesting. I'd be interested to hear what was in the mix yeah. there. Anyway. Um, yeah. I was just thinking about Songs Plus. And like, some of the best songs and actually it goes beyond songs bossing into just storytelling in general mm-hmm. some of the best story moments are the things that come from real life yeah because so the things that you know actually happen to them obviously you've got um the arterial hang on looks looks at notes, <laughs> um to get the, the brain thing the, the brain condition i'm gonna get it right hang on the arterial venous malformation yeah. um aside uh other things did actually happen to him so he had uh this really interesting kind of philosophical discourse with an unhoused lady that lived close by um his mother did throw out all of his books whilst he was <laughs> in the hospital um and these are the things that i think make the show so distinct yeah. Like it's such a poignant moment because it's it's something that feels very human, and it's something that I feel like you wouldn't ever think of. Contemporary writing advice would say this song's not progressing the story. Cut it. Mm. About and I think it would say that about eighty percent of the songs in the show. Um, right. Like my you know my favorite songs in the show, uh, sailing, and they're off. Um, uh, uh-huh. Sitting becalmed in the lee of Cuddyhunk, oh man, is a song that like young naive me contemplated auditioning with, which was a stupid idea. Um, oh my god! I know. Can you imagine? Um, no, I have auditioned with Sailing and and they're off. Um, right. But like, are such they're huge zags from what is the core plot, and uh-huh. don't you know like. Sailing, okay, we're learning about Roger and Gordon's relationship. Um, yeah. And they're off. We're learning about Gordon and Mimi's relationship, kind of? And it's backstory on Gordon, kind of? But it's, uh-huh. it's not, like, in a lean version of this story, it's not necessary. In a in a realistic telling of this story, or by contemporary right. musical theater trends, it's not necessary. But the show is wildly right. different without it. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's it's really yeah. If you're in the brain, you need that. Yeah. Um. Also, it's interesting. So he was actually asked while he was in the hospital to write music mm-hmm. for uh, it wasn't for a kids TV show, um, but it was for a play. Like whilst he was about to have brain surgery, I think that's crazy. Wild. Who would do yeah. that? Um, but yeah. Anyway, so to to kind of finish off that point, like that, it, it's these kind of special moments 
that really make make a story special and make a story distinct because you're like oh mm-hmm. i would never have thought of that I, i've never seen that anywhere no, else and i love i really really love yeah. that um i also want to take just a brief interlude to talk about uh a guy called organic jim okay tell me more is this not your superhero persona no it's not so organic jim if if people live in edinburgh and are listening to this podcast mm-hmm. they might know him okay. Um, so basically he is a local unhoused man, um, uh, who lives for want of a better word in the student area, mm-hmm. not like the cause of residence, but just like where you would get your apartment, mm-hmm. you know what I yeah. mean? When you are at university, um, and he's been there for at least 30 years mm-hmm. at least um and everyone knows him and everyone uh has had an interaction with mm-hmm. him of some sorts um actually what's quite sad is i was uh, before this podcast i was like oh i wonder how he's doing people haven't heard from him since about october last mm-hmm. year which is really really sad. sad yeah um yeah exactly um so i'm gonna keep checking on that one uh but anyway he he was just such an interesting person and actually lisa in this show reminds me so much of him because he is an extremely intelligent man um he never talks about his situation and why Mm -hmm. he and i think there's a choice element to it to be honest um but he will happily tell you um, about the vegan lifestyle <laughs> okay. before it was cool. Uh-huh. Um, about uh, how to get, you know, good food into your diet. Mm-hmm. He'd speak to you about literature. He'd speak to you about the university. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like a really, really interesting man. Mm-hmm. Um it was also a little bit scary sure. at times. Uh, but he was a fantastic... And there's loads of... I'll probably put... There's some great YouTube videos um, where people have asked if they can film and he was always very much up for it and they would just be having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably link one of them in. He's a great man. Anyway, that was just a sidetrack just because Lisa makes me think about sure. him. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's similar... Way, I think like that you can have a relationship like Bill Finn did with whoever live near right. him um but you can have these really interesting relationships and dialogues with people totally who've obviously had a much more interesting life yeah. than i ever will you know? of coping of hope against hoping that families can withstand the quake i give you time songs of rebuttal the answer to what will occur your son's nerve refuses to break stories of thriving songs of surviving the tsunami coming ashore and your surprise when you open your eyes and you're still there alive 
alive and you're still wanting more You're grateful for Time and music You gotta have time and music Time and music to The most confusing, the wildest thing And I don't know if this will end up in the podcast or not But Jimmy and I are having Skype problems And when Skype is having problems connecting the sound effect it plays at least on my end and the graphic it uh-huh. displays it discreet it displays like a heartbeat like echocardiogram symbol and goes boop boop it was the exact same for me and as it doesn't that lend to this point right we've been all over the place <laughs> we've been all over and this has been a very like heady yeah meta discussion yeah. Which I find quite interesting because, yeah, we never do it. Like, normally we're extremely structured yeah. and rigid, but this has been more free-flowing I, as we've delved through our minds, think, our collective minds. I think the show does that. And, like, I think this is going to be a simple thought expressed complexly, but or maybe a complex thought expressed simply, or just a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. But well, <laughs> I don't know about you. One of the things I like about theater is it can very succinctly encapsulate very complex ideas in a way that if you try to verbalize them, like we do for two hours every other week or so, it gets complicated. But if you're just feeling them without the need to try and externalize that, it's super simple. Yeah. And I think this show sits very highly on whatever that spectrum is like, I completely agree. And I think it's because we regard it in such high thought. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've, we feel yeah. the show a lot. Um, that sometimes that makes it difficult to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, To, like, academically analyze. And it, 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 you know, encapsulated very much in, like, well, you just got to listen to it. You just got to listen to it. Exactly. And you'll get yeah. it. But it does, you know, I don't know how you get there like that's one of the you know the 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 un- unpicking of a person's brain which perhaps is thematically appropriate but right how, how do you workshop a piece like this right what yeah. are and knowing that this piece has been so thoroughly workshopped um after the workshop what are those discussions like yeah, exactly. And how do you? Because I do think, as artists, sometimes we get very navel gazy um, and start talking around abstractions on top of abstractions, and it's really difficult to bring that down to like, but okay, what should this chord be, right? Like, but okay, mm. what song should we cut? Um, yeah. And you know, to be a fly on the wall in those discussions, like that's those are the things I'm curious about. Screw the mainstream stuff. Like, what what was cut? What quote unquote didn't work um because yeah. it's such a and especially because of the fact that this is this is an autograph uh, semi-autobiographical piece right. from william finn how does he have these discussions yes yeah. where he's like well when i was in hospital right. recovering from brain surgery this is how you know i'm mean, like that's so this is how i changed my entire opinion about art like that's really yeah. fascinating yeah. I will say, you know, we were we were coming off Pippin, um, and Jimmy asked me off pod, like, you cool doing another, like, brain-centric one? Um, mm. And, like, a, a deep dive one? And I do think 
especially one of the reasons why I was absolutely okay doing this one, other than the the fact that a new brain is you know deep and dear to me, is that it does have such a wonderfully celebratory ending. Absolutely, like I I uh, I feel so much spring is a gorgeous piece of musical theater. And it is so simple. And like so many of our favorite closing songs, doesn't, (laughs) to quote my favorite animatronic fortune teller, doesn't make a lick of sense until you see it live. Um, Mm. Like listening to I Feel So Much Spring on its own doesn't have any of the emotional impact of hearing it at the end of this album or watching it at the end of the show. For sure. For sure. And I think, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that is what makes it special because it feels like it's, it's very much a piece. Yeah. yeah. In inverted commas. You know, there's very rarely times when I'll be like, do you know what I'll listen to? I'll dip into yeah. Although, I will, know, I will say that that is the that is the 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 bogglement of this piece cuz like you might not dip into craniotomy, but I've auditioned with I'd rather be sailing. You know, people audition with songs from the show over and over again, Absolutely, which yeah. must mean they have some kind of standaloneness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that thing I was saying about Bill Finn's work is he writes the suit. Yeah, but you can still taste the, the ingredients. That was that was that nice was really part. good. That, that was really that good. Nice. Yeah, I said he writes the. Yeah, suit, no, and then and then so... you couldn't tell where you were going, but I was on board. He yeah. does. He does write. I should have said he makes the soup. No, I like he writes the soup, but you could still pick out the chicken okay. if you wanted to. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Anyway, all of this to say a David Lynch musical would not work. <laughs> Thank you, William Finn. Stu- play some music. That was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's the main. <laughs> But I think if anyone should write it, he's still. He's, should, I wonder what Bill. He's still talking. Like the music is already. I, you can hear the music for the transition playing underneath already, friends. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> speaking through the um like soundproof. Yeah, it's so like the. Where's my elephant? The, the hook has. Where's my The elephant? hook has appeared on stage you know and is slowly dragging him off. No, I don't know that. You suck. <laughs> That's the Simpsons. I don't watch the Simpsons. I'm American. They're playing the elephant song again. Winter finally there's a and so I sing that I feel so much spring. 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 
Okay, Tommy. So I think we talked about a new brain. Waiting for the wind to blow. We didn't talk at all about Leave Cuddy Hunk, which I love. I love that song. You know, too. it's a real place. Harder than a pregnant cow. Is it's a, a great really lyric. Great you know, it's a real place. Yeah. I. Well, so the Lee of Cutty Hunk, I always thought was the name of the boat. I think the. But I know Cutty Hunk is and a I place. And I think Cutty Hunk is like a weird round looking island. And I think the Lee is the inner bit of the, the there's like a lagoon in the middle. I always thought it was the lee of the boat, because the lee is in a boat. It's like the sheltered part of, and the boat, and the way like the cutty sark. My brain can't process this, and we're gonna fall down a two-hour googling, so we'll never know. Um, yeah, I have a quiz question for you. Yeah, are you William Finn? Do you know? <laughs> That's that's the quiz that question. That's like a PSA poster that's on the wall of Aperture <laughs> yeah. Laboratories. Yeah, are you William Finn? <laughs> Here's a quiz question. It was widely yes. rumored that lanky dancer Frank Sinatra padded his hindquarters with handkerchiefs to fill out his uniform whilst filming this movie musical. What show? Lanky Dancer Frank Sinatra sounds like it's a half Traguna right. McCoity, Lanky Dancer Frank Sinatra. Dancer Frank Sinatra. That is the lyric in the <laughs> upcoming musical adaptation. If you would like to get in touch with us and talk about whatever we just talked about, um, we would love to hear from you. There are many ways that you can do this, ladies and gentlemen, and all that's in between. Um, we have a show Twitter and Instagram at Jim Antomic, spelled G-I-M-A-N-D-T-O-M-I-C. Or you can drop us an email on our website, jimantomic.com. Tommy, what will you find there? Jim and Tomic's website, New York's hottest new bar, has everything. It has merch. It has a Discord. A Discord with a link that's only going to be good for a little while. So click on it now. But there will be more later. Yes, there will. Um, and why is the outro mental? <laughs> What's going on? Well, you're there on our website. Um, you can also check out our Patreon if you would like um, to financially support the show. That would be really, really deeply appreciated um you will also find uh in one of our tiers our video podcast last call where we chat up a storm this time we were even playing some played games. some sparkle Gosh, quizzes it. it was i dare say a little more sane than our than the main podcast i would say very much more <laughs> sane than the main podcast most, so if you were looking for cohesion most of all it helps us out when you tell your friends about the show thank you for telling your friends about our weird musical theater podcast thank you very much um, yes, indeed. Thank you very, very much. That's all for today. <laughs> I think that's about time. Thank you for listening. We love you lots. And Tommy, cheers, cheers Jimmy. Hello. 
Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Have some milk, and I lowered myself beneath her swollen. It's a different iron. show. How many how many cow references can we find in musicals without cows? Into the without cows. Oh. <laughs> is there a cow in Bat Boy? Like, does the cow actually feature? I've never. Or is it just referred to? I've never to? listened to Bat Boy. That's interesting. I thought it was about bats. No, it's about a, a boy who's half bat, half bat. Why are there cows? Um, he sucks the blood of a cow. It's a choice. And he feels bad about it. So it's there's a song called A Song to a Cow. There's a fake cow and gypsy. My mail, my mail. <laughs> there's your outro. Excellent. That's a fun question, though, isn't it? This probably won't. I'm stopping recording. Don't say anything funny anymore.